Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 103. Welcome to Shedding Light Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Shire, and today my guest is Travis Williams. Travis, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> love you. You're a great host. You're fantastic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Travis Williams is probably the better host of the two Travises, but yeah, you know, well, I have to, that's my first time. I actually had butterflies a little bit. Uh-huh, it. I, it's, I tell you what, man, it's a little nerve wracking. It's a little nerve wracking yeah. going live. So <laughs> yeah. Proud of you for all those introductions and, uh, yeah. not stuttering or anything uh, i definitely stutter and i say wow a lot and i say awesome a lot so there's a lot of that but i appreciate you being willing to interview me so it's just not me talking in, um, by myself for you know 45 minutes about the hunt so yeah i mean speaking of awesome uh you mentioned awesome there um you had a pretty awesome week uh last week and you got a really good buck on the ground um and i'm excited to uh, go through that story uh Thanks, with man. you but to, to start with i kind of wanted to give a summary or we can talk together of uh, the summary of your season. I think if the folks have been following along, um, they've heard some of it. Um, I, we talk like every day and I, <laughs> I can give you the cliff notes version of your season and yeah. then you feel free to chime in uh, if you want. But sure. uh, I, the way I see it, your season is um, I feel like you, you were on a lot of deer. There was not an issue of you getting on deer. Um, you passed a lot of smaller bucks, a lot of does, and you even had several good bucks within bow rings. And it seemed like things just didn't quite work out. Whether the wind swirled, you got picked out of the tree, uh, things just went a little, I guess I would say bad luck. Um, yeah. And I think that um, you persevered amazingly and did not give up through that. But there, there's a bunch of bright notes, I think, in your season two, from what I gathered. Uh, you made a perfect shot on a big doe uh, back in October. And you actually captured some epic footage of that. Um, that video will be out on YouTube pretty soon. Uh, so that's uh, something to be proud of. And yeah. then you, you, one of your goals at the beginning of the season, I believe, uh, was to help mentor. Uh, you mentioned a couple guys, but I think you got at least five or six new hunters in the woods and several of them harvested deer. Um, how, how do you feel about that as a goal coming into the season? And then pretty much you slam dunk that goal. What, oh, how do you man. feel about that? Um, man, I tell you, uh, it's weird being on this end of the, the interview, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, well, you nailed the cliff notes. I mean, I think um, that's definitely how the season kind of went and it was good. I, I tell you, probably the most rewarding thing is not the fact that I got a buck, but really it was kind of getting those guys on, on bucks. And I wasn't even really intending or not on bucks, but on deer in general, I wasn't even intending. Like I had two people in mind uh, at the beginning of the season and um, both of them, I gave them opportunities and one of them was able to get it done. The other one, um, you know, crossbow malfunction and it would have been a dead deer. I'm, I'm certain it was about 15 yards away. And then right. the other three, it just was just kind of um, different times that kind of came up. But anyway, yeah, I, I feel good about that because it, one, it just makes me feel good. I, I consider myself an average Joe hunter. Like I'm still learning a lot. Like I've, I feel like you have really grown a lot as a hunter in the last few years and you've exceeded me as far as understanding deer patterns, movement, knowing when to go in, where to go in and all of that. Um, and we talked about that in your, your uh, interview with your buck, but 
I do think I, I feel good about being able to get into areas and get people on deer. And I've learned how to do that. Now, granted, a lot of that is using bait and corn and to my advantage, it's legal in Ohio and it gives these new hunters an opportunity for a deer to stand their broadside and give them a nice slam dunk shot. And so, right. so yeah, that let's feels be honest. Really good. These, these days, every property has a pile of corn on it. So <laughs> sometimes you almost have to compete with the neighbors to get, get deer on your land yeah and i tell you what two or three of the hunts i was hunting over corn that the deer wouldn't eat it had a chemical in it that um the pigs wouldn't even eat i guess that my my father-in-law from i was experiencing some bad luck up there with the corn this year so yeah uh, the corn sat there for like three weeks and rotted and the deer never touched it but you you still actually on that particular hunt i'm pretty sure you had a brand new hunter out yep if i remember right and you had a really big shooter buck walk right through a shooting lane at like 25 yards. Yep. And I think had you been the hunter, I think you would have smashed that buck. Possibly. Were, yeah. Um, coaching yeah. a new hunter and he ended up getting a shot at a deer that night. So I think that was the thing that I kept on wondering about. And you, you and I had these conversations a good bit, like by taking these guys out, was I potentially hurting my chances of getting a buck? And, and the answer to that is possibly yes. Um, on that particular situation, that was black Friday. And I was sitting on the ground. I probably would have been in a tree and who knows what would have happened. The wind was swirly. Um, there's no way that I could say 100% that I would have shot that buck that night. In fact, um, the next day I went out to practice shooting. Um, and I hadn't practiced like prior to that hunt. And I went out and practiced the next day cause I was going back in. I was hitting two inches to the right with my bow. I had to readjust my sights. So had I tried to take a shot at that buck, who knows? Yeah. I could have, I could have injured that buck, even though it was a close shot. So all of that yeah. to say, yeah, I, I, um, I loved taking the guys out. I have zero regrets. And even if I didn't get a buck at the end of the season, like I did, I, I still have no regrets about any of that. Did it, yeah. will I do it the same way next year? Probably not. <laughs> but, yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good bucks to be had early season. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, I can tell you looking in from the outside and basically I got a first class seat to watch your season unfold. I, I would say this has been the most educational season for you. And I think you probably grew the most as a hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's actually what led you to kill this buck last week is probably the development you gained uh, throughout this season. So oh, man, that's I just agree. my opinion looking yeah. in from the outside, but it's, it's been a teacher for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I hunted, I mean, and I'm not afraid to say it. this is more than what I know most guys can hunt. And I've, I've been given the opportunity. My wife, we talked about that before she struggled and, and we worked some of that out. And I mean, we worked it out and, but I hunted 51 hunts. That's a lot of mm-hmm. stinking hunts. I mean, that's more than what I've ever hunted before by at least 20 hunts. And I, I like to keep track and log it. And, but at a certain point I was like, man, that's these hunts are stacking up and I was getting down toward the end and I was trying to not hunt as much, especially uh, toward the end, but, but yeah, I learned, I learned a ton. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, okay. So, so we've got, we've gotten through the season. We kind of give the spark notes version and we're coming into muzzleloader season and you get them, get the muzzleloader out. You got it dialed in. It's shooting really good. And what, what, what date was it you killed that buck? Was it last? The fourth. Uh, yeah, this Monday. What, what day was it? December or January 4th. January 4th comes along and uh, you text me middle of the day and you're like, there's two farms that you had the choice to hunt. Uh, so one farm was a thick, nasty wooded ridge with a lot of browse and a lot of oak trees uh, back in the timber. And then the other farm was a cut soybean field. It was just basically a crop field. Mm-hmm. And uh I didn't really give you any advice. I just said, follow your gut. And uh, somehow you, um, you, well, not somehow, 
No, somehow. Yeah. It's not like you got lucky, but I no, did. But you, you put everything together that you'd learned off season and you decided um, which farm to hunt. You ended up taking the one, the, the thick, nasty wooded ridge uh, with oak trees. And then do you want to tell us a little bit about that property yeah. and kind of how it's your, your education developed on it after over the past several years? Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to remember back. I can't remember how many years, I think it's been at least three or four years. You and I went up and like, I think scouted it one time, just randomly. It's basically, I have a a permission to hunt uh, about a hundred some acres from a guy at church and he has a big old hill leads down to a Creek. And then on the other side of the Creek is this other giant Ridge and it's a landlocked property. I called and got permission. It's shifted hands a couple of times and I've gotten permission to hunt this property. They, they're never going to sell it. And it's just basically a giant hill. Um, I don't know how else to, like you said, nasty yeah. cover, a lot of trees down. And I've just, I've over the last few years, I've seen a lot of deer move up through there. And I like that spot because there's on one side, there's a lease and Um, and on the other side is like a high fence on the far side. So it's kind of a natural funnel for the deer up there. And so anyhow, um, a few things led to me understanding a little bit better this year. Um, as you go up the ridge, there's two bowls, one on either side of the ridge, uh, two giant valleys. And once you get up on top, there's like a saddle and it's hard to explain all this, you know, but basically there's a big saddle that goes out. And I discovered this year that that saddle, um, leads off of the property I have permission to be on and goes into another property. And that is a bedding area. I, I, last year I started to realize, I'm like, it always seems like deer are going up and toward this corner of the property. And I I noticed that quite a bit. So last year I was like, I think that's bedding. I always thought it was just over the Ridge, but after I made that bad shot on that buck, um, whenever that was uh, November 3rd, um, yeah. I got permission to go track that deer and the last drop of blood was in this real thick, uh, spot just overlooking a ridge. And, and I, it was right where, um, you know, or let me back up. That's where I, I basically realized, oh, that's the bedding area. And it was out about a hundred yards further than what I thought it was. Yeah. It's really cool how that actually played out because in the past few years, I think the observations just kind of showed that the deer movement was really random. There was really no narrowed down place. Um, yeah. to set up but in discovering the neighbor's property and just looking around it just a little bit uh give you the missing piece of the puzzle to yeah. really help zero in on the most activity and one thing i love about that piece of property is it's ideal for daylight movement because it is super nasty thick in there mm-hmm. and they feel really comfortable moving in daylight oh so. yeah and i hunted it quite a bit this year like last year I, I hunted um a good bit during the rut and that was the spot where i kind of bumped around like I basically you go up this ridge and you can hunt over to the right hand side. You and I hunted there once and had a, a, a nice little buck come up and then uh, you can hunt over on the other side of the ridge uh, closer on the side that goes down to the creek. And I had encounters on both sides, so I could never figure out which side I needed to hunt. And I was only hunting maybe 60 or 70 yards. But finally, what I realized this year is that those deer will go up or down, depending. They'll go up the ridge on either side, it doesn't matter what side of the point they're on. They're going to cross over within 50 yards of this one spot. And it's the spot where I shot, uh, that first buck this year and hit him a little low and a little back. Um, that spot is, is that's the money spot right there. That's where it's at. And so what led to this hunt is a couple things. Um, you, you mentioned, um, kind of what I know about the property. Well, whenever I shot that buck, uh, November, November 3rd, while I was tracking it, I bumped into a guy who's from the lease. He heard me talking on the phone and celebrating. Cause I thought I killed this thing and yeah. he comes over the hill and I thought he owned the other property. 
um, the bedding area, but he was from the lease. And so I got to know this guy, got his number, pretty nice guy. And so, uh, I've been texting him. And so whenever I was trying to decide between the two properties, the soybean field and the property that I ended up going to the nasty Ridge, I texted him (laughs) and I said, Hey, how's your season going? How's muzzleloader going? Didn't know if you go. He's like, I'm actually in the tree stand right now. Well, I know where his (laughs) tree stand is. It's just over the Ridge. So where I shot the buck, I knew I couldn't go right there because that's literally, even though I have permission to be there, it's literally within a hundred yards of where that guy hunts. Uh, Cause right. the fact that he could hear me, I know he's, he's within earshot. He's an older guy. So I decided, I was like, okay, I, I really want to go to that spot because I think there's going to be more movement up there than the soybean field. I have a cellular cam out on this, the soybean field. I wasn't getting hardly any daylight pictures. So uh, that's what kind of prompted me, but I decided I was going to go to a spot I hadn't been up there on that ridge away from that guy. So to give him an extra hundred yards, maybe so there'd be 200 yards between us. And I thought with muzzleloader, I could push something to him. He might push something yeah. to me. So I kind of use that to my advantage a little bit. Awesome. That's perfect. That's genius. And so January 4th comes and you head into hunt and you check your trail camera on the way in, right? Yeah. And it's pretty optimistic what you had on there, right? Yeah, man. I tell you, I got on there and I had this trail camera just soaking. It's the only trail camera beside my cellular ones that I just got this year that's working. Um, And it's on that ridge on the way up, but there's no easy way to go up any other way. So I went up that ridge and was going to bear right toward the bedding area. And I I was like, I got to check that trail camera. And I looked at it and it had a ton of doe movement. And I was willing to shoot a doe and and tag out in my county, honestly. Um, The farmer, I don't need the meat. My my freezer's full. The farmer, he's mentioned to me that lets me hunt that property of his. And then this adjacent property um, lets me access it. He, He said their family could use the deer meat. And I thought, well, if I can help them out and, you know, enjoy the hunt, get it on film, that'd be great. So I checked the trail camera. And there's does moving, there's some small bucks, and then there's on December the 28th, while I was up at my wife's parents, there was a big boy came right by the camera at 11 o'clock in the afternoon, or in the in the morning. And yeah. like he's he's a nice, very solid buck. And I think I sent you a, a text with a picture of him, didn't I? Yeah. You had a, and a couple, honestly, there's a couple of those, what you called smaller bucks, I would consider them pretty good bucks. So you had a couple decent ones, I thought. But. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, just in comparison to this guy, there was. Oh yeah, that there. one dude was huge. Yeah, he had big old tines and huge main beams that came out to his nose. Yeah, big yeah. buck. Yeah. So, I, uh, I'll, I don't want to direct. You tell me what. What do you want to know from here? Well, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we just go ahead and then? Uh, so you check the chair camera, and then where do you go from there? You decide where to set up, and then just kind of tell me how the hunt yeah. unfolds. I texted you and I said I was going to get up in the tree, um, and. I was basically looking at a spot. So right over that ridge is where I saw a lot of movement. And there was a hunt um, in between Christmas and New Year's where I I set up where I saw a lot of does crossing over this ridge. And I thought it was the great spot. Well, the problem is it is the spot. It is the primary spot where they come. So I was up in a tree and great. granted, this is great for a bow. Uh, I was up in a tree and these does came up through here and they were on me. Like they were on me. Like I didn't see them until they were yeah, 50. You're almost too close to the action. Right? Exactly. So yeah. I was 50 yards away. I moved a little bit. I bumped those does. They were gone. So I, I knew I didn't want to be right there. I wanted to be, and I wanted to be further away from that guy over the right. ridge. So I kept going and I went to a spot I hadn't been. I went clear out to the far corner of the property 
And basically where that saddle basically just kind of picture an S and the, I kind of set up on like the bottom loop of the S to the right. So so you got, so you got, uh, you, you set up in your saddle in the saddle, right? In the saddle, saddle in the saddle. (laughs) (laughs) And I was debating on that too. I was like, do I just want to go and sit on the ground or do I want to, and I I hate sitting on the ground. I've done it more this year than what I have before. I like to be elevated and I got in there. I think it was, um, by three o'clock somewhere in there, three okay. thirty maybe. Um, so yep. I felt like I had time and, um, I had my sticks and all of that. And so I found a tree on this, this spot. And basically what it enabled me to do is it was the perfect spot. I was able to look to my left and see down the, the bowl of the hill where I just came from. I was able to look straight out in front of me and see the ridge where the buck, uh, the first buck I had came from. And then off to my right is this big ridge that leads out to that bedding area where I tracked the buck to his, his last uh, known drop of blood. And then right behind nice. me is a giant hill that leads, it goes down to a ravine and up on the other side is a high fence. And okay. so I had, I had like so much like room to kind of keep track of. And I thought it, there's any one of these spots that a deer could come in, but I was yeah, really great, kind of anticipating. Great gun spot. Great yes. Spot great, great, good spot for a muzzleloader. Yep. Cool. Okay. So, pick a tree. All right, so you get all you get all set up. Yeah. All right. So you get set up, and then how how does the hunt unfold um, once you get set up? Then. All right. So I got up in, um, and so I'm in my saddle. I got everything hooked up. Got the camera going, but it was pretty foggy, and my camera honestly was a little bit. Um, I just kind of thought, I was like, man, this just looks kind of foggy. I couldn't figure out what was going on with it. I don't know if I had water in the lens or what, but got some uh-huh. decent B-roll and footage and all of that and was just kind of chilling yeah. there. It wasn't too cold. Um, didn't have to do any hand warmers or anything. And I remember just kind of thinking about where I was because all of this is, all these pieces of the puzzle finally came together. And I started thinking about that buck and where he yeah. would have gone. And then I realized, I'm like, shoot, that spot where I found the blood is literally just like right over there. And then his bedding's right up there, which I knew yeah. I just didn't realize where I was in relation to that. So I got out my phone. And I try not to be on my phone when I hunt, but you know, I'm on my phone whenever I hunt. Um, I just, I just, right. it keeps me from it moving happens. around and I, I'm just not always disciplined. So I get on my phone sometimes just to pass time. So I don't move, but I also probably miss stuff. So I'm on my phone looking at Onyx and I'm like, Oh, yep. I know right where I'm at. I know where this is at. Everything's good. And all of a sudden I look up, this is probably almost close to four. I look up and yeah. there's a deer right in front of me out on, in this opening. I'm like, oh shoot. <laughs> so wow. slowly slide my phone into my pocket. I see a tail kind of flick a little bit. I reach yeah. around the backside of the tree and I get my gun off the hook and I slowly start to move it over. And all of a sudden this deer takes off and there was two does that came in silent. It had rained and they were silent as could be. And these does took off and they ran about 70 yards and stopped. And I pulled up the gun and I, I could see him in the scope, but I had all kinds of thick stuff. And yeah. I was just like, shoot. That's smart. That's smart. Not taking that shot. Yeah. So I let them go. But then I was like, I need to be on high alert and quit like messing around on my phone. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know, so, that's, uh, uh, that's the society we live in with the technology, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. And I, Unfortunately, I you. but you know, it's, it's, it's a fine balance between paying attention and, and, checking on stuff you know and yeah you know where where do you draw where do you draw the line right yeah yeah and i I probably need to do a better job of that i'm sure i miss some things but also at the flip side it does it does keep me from like 
fidgeting in the saddle or moving around or I have a hard time yeah. sitting still. So I'm on, always checking the wind. I'm always doing like a bunch of stuff. So it kind of keeps me still. So anyway. Okay. So the, so the days go on by and yeah. then what happens? So about this would have been four 30 at the earliest, maybe four 45. So some time oh, passes. You, you text you text me when those does went by yeah. and I said, that's awesome. It's really early still. Um, yeah. Plenty of time. So, yep. Yeah. So that's exciting seeing them moving that early. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. I was like, man, this could be good. Cause up to that point, I hadn't seen a lot of like early movement like that. It's been usually like last 30 minutes. And so it gets close to that time about, uh, like maybe four forty-five, and I look up and I saw in front of me out in the brush, just off to my right a little bit, um, a flash of white. And I thought it was a tail and I was like, shoot, did something just peg me again? I didn't even move. And I, I thought it was a tail and then I thought, well, I better just keep looking. So I just stared like real close and um, I see horns and I'm like, oh, wow. okay, um, yeah. this, this could be good. So I, I slowly reach over, I get the gun up and it's a buck and it's, it's a good buck. And it I, could be the big one you had in camera, right? Yeah, it could have been. I don't know entirely. He was out there probably 80, 90 yards, definitely a, a, a shot that I could have taken had he been not in the thick cover, but he goes through the thick cover and ends up straight in front of me. He doesn't see me. Yeah. I pull the gun up. I got him in the scope and I can see, I can see his antlers. He looks, he looks good. Definitely a shooter in my book and definitely, I think a, yeah. a good deer. Well, he starts like, he takes his horns and he starts raking like a, a tree above him with it. And, um, Dude, that's awesome. So he's, I, I, and then I was like, maybe I can get this on film, but I was trying to reach down. I was like, don't worry about the camera. Like at this point in the season, <laughs> yeah. like you and I, like we love to film our hunts and I, and I want to get it. I want to capture it. But the most important yeah. thing to me now is like, I've let the, the camera probably also cost me a few deer this year, honestly. Um, yeah definitely a few times where no i don't think it cost me any maybe major bucks but i think it did hurt um you know some yeah. different situations but anyhow long story short this buck is there raking and i get the gun up i cannot ethically take the shot i know i can't um and he, too much brush right way too much brush like i could yeah. just see his head and his antlers and even that like i couldn't even take a headshot if i wanted to well that's that's admirable good, good job i mean that's Thanks. that's not an easy thing to call yourself off when you're hard yeah. to pound like that so good yeah good good decision thank good decision. you so yeah. he 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 veers off um and I, and I can't see where he goes so i'm looking off to my left and i can still see this giant hill and it's open and so i'm staring like a madman i'd look back to that spot like once i couldn't see him anymore and i'd look to my left and i'd look look there and i'd look back and i'm like you know if he pops out I, i'm gonna shoot him but 10 minutes had gone by and i mean i've mm -hmm. i've been in standoffs with deer before where they'll freeze for 15 minutes and not move so i yeah. knew that he could have still been there yeah but then i heard footsteps oh boy yep <laughs> yep game time game time so then i hear footsteps coming from my right straight out of that bedding area that um where i knew where those deer bed and I, yep. I look over to my right and just to kind of set the picture again in front of me, there's a flat leading out to this thick, thick stuff. And then to my right, there's a flat and then there's a little bit of a, a ridge and a lip and it goes down into a bowl on the other side of this hill. And just yep. on the other side, I can see antlers and I see this buck coming by and I'm like, okay, I'm going to shoot this buck because he's close yeah. and I'm not going to let this one go. And yep. I knew in that moment, like I knew looking at him, I knew that this was not like a giant buck. I knew that. I knew he wasn't right. as big as the buck I shot last year. Like that, all of those thoughts in my brain, I knew I was like, this buck's not that, but I don't, I don't care. I, I want to shoot this buck. Yeah. Like every ounce of me, 100%, no doubt about it. 
yep. was reaching for my gun. Actually, nice. I think I already had my gun in my hand because of the other buck. So Great. he comes up and he pops up over the ridge perfect and he steps into a gap and I go, Matt, to, to get him to stop. They stop. He takes four more steps. He took more steps than what I've ever seen any buck take. Like th- that. I don't know if he was deaf or what. Like I yeah. made a pretty good sound and he stops behind a tree and I'm like, oh, shoot. Here oh, we geez. go. Here we go. Like seriously. And yeah. he looks and I freeze. And I think in that moment, I, I had the camera on and I kind of pointed it to a spot and I let it go. Okay. Um, so I'm always running cameras. I didn't have time to run, uh, touch the GoPro. I didn't get it on. So I'm just sitting there and I got my main camera on and I'm waiting for him to step out into this gap. And he does, he takes another step. He starts walking and he is veering away, cording away, but not hard, just cording mm-hmm. up to where that other buck was. Okay. So I pull the scope on him and I see a big gap that he's about to hit. And as soon as he hits it, I let out the loudest mat I've ever let out in my life. <laughs> Leave no doubt in his mind that he needs to stop yeah. and look. Well, the sucker still took two more steps. So he yeah. takes two more steps, finally stops, looks. I pull up, I settle in, and I pull the trigger. Nice. Um, the smoke flies. and What was your initial thought? My initial thought was, I think I pulled the shot a little bit. I like my initial thought was, man, I think at the last second there, I kind of just pulled just a little bit. Like I feel real, I feel comfortable in in a saddle with my, my muzzleloader because I can rest it across my bridge and it feels Mm -hmm. like it's almost stable. So I felt real good about everything up until, but the second I pulled the shot, I was like, Ooh, what? That didn't feel as good as what, you know, it should. You you feel like sometimes you're like, Oh, that's money. I wasn't 100%, but he ducks down a little bit. Yeah. He ends up turning and running back to his right the way he came from. He drops down over the hill, and it's like he's headed back toward that bedding area is where I think he wanted to go. Right. He does a 180. He's trying to get out of there. And so yeah. I listen real intently, and I'm and, and it's like three, maybe three seconds tops. And all of a sudden, I hear like I hear running, 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 crash. And it was yeah. without it. I was like that that definitely was a crash. Um, just a big racket, big racket. And, and then it was over like nothing. Yeah. And so, I mean, my reaction is it's probably, it's not the same as my buck last year by any means, because the buck this year, um, the first buck that I shot, like I was celebrating. I thought for sure I killed that deer. I thought for sure I'd heart shot him. I didn't hear him crash, but I thought he was just over the hill and he wasn't. And I'd never got that deer. And it, it, it just one of those things I was like, man. And, and so I, I did not, I felt good about it. I was smiling, but I did not fully celebrate. Cause I was like, I got to make sure I'm not going to let my hopes get so high again and get them crushed yeah. again. I'm going to make sure. Cause I couldn't see him. There's no way yeah. to know. I thought maybe, I mean, he could have been crashing through some timber and maybe I just couldn't hear him anymore, but it, I was right. pretty confident. So, uh, so I did a little interview on my, my phone there on the, the camera. And I realized at that point, the camera was, it, I had it on video, but it's a little blurry. So that's the unfortunate thing. Everything else is good. Uh, I think the video will be good when I get it done, but it was a little blurry, but I wasn't mad at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so yeah. Cool. So I get all it. Right. So you, you text, you say you texted me and said, I think you just crashed. And I'm like, well, go, go check him out. Right. And so <laughs> well, the like, first, okay. the very first, the very first thing I, I did Oh yeah. Um, normally you are the very first person I call. Like, okay. okay. Typically you are number one on the list just because I, I, I don't know. I just, we, we, and I talk hunting all the time, but yeah. I called my wife this time. Nice, um, dude. I called my wife because 
this year because of 51 hunts she's yeah. had to put up with an awful lot she's been awesome about it we've had good conversations there was a time where i was going way too much especially during the rut and after the rut i think i think part of this year because the preseason was so doggone good um yeah good cold fronts i hunted a lot of that and then the rut wasn't so good so i tried to i kept hunting it thinking it was going to get good at some point and it just never cooked up the way that i thought that it would and then yeah. in the late season, I'm trying to make up for it. So anyhow, I'd kind of chilled out a little bit, I think. And, and I might have to have her back on to verify that, but I chilled <laughs> out. I chilled out some. And so yeah. in that moment, I thought she needs to be the first to know that I think this is over. Like nice. she knows that I'm driven. She knows that this is what I'm hunting for. And I was willing to end on a doe too. Just, I mean, yeah. had one of those does stopped, I was willing to tag out on a doe and, and yeah. be done. Um, but so I call her and she's, she's like, are you sure you got it? I'm, like, I'm pretty sure I did. And then my little girl, uh, Ansley gets on and she, she's talking to nice. me about me shooting a deer and it's, that was cool. That was really yeah. neat, um, to call her and, um, then I called awesome. you and texted a bunch of people and yeah. And so you told me to get out of the tree. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, he's at this point, he's probably either dead or he's going to live forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. No. And I, I agreed with you and I still had daylight. So that was part of it. Um, this hunt, I wasn't really even, I didn't have my stuff charged. Like I wasn't like prepared, like all my other hunts up until this hunt, I had all my stuff. Like I always charge it. I was always on top of everything. I'd have my headlamp on charge. Um, I forgot Mm -hmm. to, I forgot to charge my headlamp. So I knew I, I had a flashlight, but I knew I didn't have my good headlamp and I'm like, I need to get down and see what I can see soon, you know? Okay. So uh, anyhow, I climb down and out, I pack up all my stuff and get the camera out, start walking. And it's just, it's after five, it's starting to get dark. Yeah. I walk up to where I shot him and I can't find a speck of blood. Um, okay. I, I'm looking all around there and then I pull up the video camera and I'm like trying to go back and look at the footage and make sure I'm in the right spot. He was only, this deer was, um, maybe 70 yards tops away from me okay. 70, 80 yards at the very, I don't even think 80, I think it was 70 yards. Okay. And so I go to that spot. I look, I don't find blood and I look at the footage. I don't, I'm going, I'm in the exact spot. And so I start walking over the hill a little bit. I come back and I'm like, I know I should find blood, but it's getting dark. And I think yeah. with my, with just having this little flashlight, I, I better go over the, the ridge and go to where I last heard him. I know that that's not what you're supposed to do, but that's what I did because I was like, yeah. I wanna, I, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So I go over the hill and I'm, I'm tracing the ground looking for blood the whole way. I never did find a drop of blood. Um, oh, wow. I never found it. I get up over the ridge and I start kind of scanning. All of a sudden I look and under a, like a pile of like trees, like limbs, um, there he is. He's out there. Nice. So in relation to my stand and where like he probably from where he was at only went 40 yards. He was only 60, 70 yards from my, from my tree stand. Um, Nice man. Quick, quick, clean kill. Great job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I may have hit him back just a a little low, maybe. Um, I didn't actually, I should have looked a little bit more. I I ended up donating this deer. And so I, it wasn't there to skin it out and all of that. Um, but I think I hit just a little bit back, but because he was quartering away, I think I got up into, uh, some, some vitals and, and he went down quick. I think it was heart shot actually. So yeah, basically, yeah. Where the entrance was and he was quartered away, he probably got right through the chest. So yeah. Good shot, man. Yeah. Thanks man. So there it was. And then the work, then the work began. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you you um you got you got one of the one of your good friends there the neighbor and uh 
uh, Mr. Weary, he, uh, yeah. he helped you out there, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I, I you yeah. were willing to come down. Um, I had kind of a neat, uh, thing at, at, I had a zoom call at eight with my wife and we were being interviewed about our daughter, Hattie, which if you guys have listened before, you know, her story. And we were being interviewed about, um, her trip to Oklahoma that we took uh, in 2017, where her eyes, like we learned that I talked about this a few podcasts ago where she could use her eyes to read. Um, and, and we didn't know that she could even read. <laughs> yeah. And so we told that story to Oklahoma Christian university who is being featured for Oklahoma's governor's um, ball this year. They have a ball every year and they feature oh, that's awesome. a story and they're featuring that story. So nice. I had to, so I field dressed this deer, but I, I knew I couldn't get him up over this hill and down the other side by myself. So I went back, changed clothes, <laughs> and <laughs> it was kind of a crazy circumstances. Did the interview. It was awesome. And yeah. a few folks I called just weren't able to come. And you would have been there, but I, I told you, you know. Yeah, I was like an hour and a half away, and it would have been pressing it to get to your interview. So. Yeah. So I ended up but. calling Ryan Weary, good friend of mine. He's a son-in-law of the farmer where, you know. And so I yep. call him, and we – uh we go up and over. I don't think he, he's not a hunter. So I don't think he really knew what to expect going in. Uh, it was quite the <laughs> hike to get up there. And then yeah. the, even once we got it up over the hill, there's so much deadfall. Like you said, that it's thick and nasty. We ended up going, I didn't tell you this, instead yeah. of coming off the path, like we should have, we kind of accidentally yeah. veered. I always get turned around coming off that hill for some reason. I veered yeah. right. And we ended up probably 200 <laughs> yards over the hill. We were almost to the antenna stand. Um, you oh, know wow. where that's at. So we were yeah. like, mm -hmm. we're 200 yards from the gator. <laughs> so, oh, wow. so anyhow, okay. we got them down and out and, uh, uh, awesome. the farmer was tickled to have the meat. I was pumped. And, um, well, so yeah. Con well, congratulations, man, that, uh, uh, yeah. that you earned that one. Um, let, let me ask, let me, let me say this, let me set this question up for you. So, um, so the buck, the buck you killed, he's not a small, tiny buck and he's not a huge giant buck. I would, I would classify him as a good buck. Like, you know, if someone says they want to shoot a good buck, they would shoot this buck. And yeah. now, now, after 51 hunts and a lot of mess ups, a lot of close encounters, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of close calls, roller coaster up and down, you kill a good buck uh, in mm -hmm. January. Now, what now? Now, how would that feel if you would have killed the exact same buck on the opening night of the season? What mm -hmm. what would be what would be a different? Would there be different emotion if you killed that buck opening night versus yeah. January 4th? I and I. I don't know um, if it was a quick situation, this buck walked in. I mean, he was wide, real wide yeah. buck, um, but his time length wasn't real, wasn't real big. I don't know what I would have done on the first hunt, to be honest. I don't know if I would have shot this buck, but had I, I, well, know, I, I don't um, even know about the, would you shot the buck, but let's just say you would have shot the buck both okay. hunts. Yeah. How, how would the rewarding feeling, how would uh, the not satisfaction feel? Not even close. Um, yeah. I think, I think had I shot this buck earlier in the season, there would have maybe been wonder about, okay, maybe there was something bigger or whatever. And there was, that would have been going through my, you and I, you know, we've wrestled over that. I've wrestled yeah. over that. Like what is my standard? And I've lowered it a little bit over the years because I realized my standard wasn't realistic for the properties that yeah. I'm hunting. Um, yeah. Minus that property in Northern Ohio. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> right, that's, right. A, that's another story, but, but yeah. So had I shot, let's just say hypothetically, I would have shot this buck. I think, I would have been glad. I mean, maybe, maybe I could have spent a lot more time like trying to get these other hunters on deer and I could have gotten more of them deer. And, um, you know, I, I don't think I would have been necessarily disappointed if I would have made that choice to shoot this deer, but I will say this. Yeah. The sense of relief after I thought I heard the crash and then finding that buck. Yeah. 
like as I recover him, I remember saying like, yeah, he'll, he'll do. And it, it, it wasn't, yeah. even if he was a basket rack and ended up having like two points. I mean, I was, I was willing to take the shot in the moment. I wasn't going to regret <laughs> it. And I, I felt absolute relief over yeah. shooting that buck. I really did. Like, yeah. cause it was just like, I didn't shoot him just to be done, but I, I shot him partly because of that. I was like, I want to yeah. finish my season. This is my opportunity to not eat tag soup. Like I would rather, yeah. I know there's other bucks in here. I think I just saw one 10 minutes ago. I, I'm willing to shoot this guy and I'll be completely happy. Yeah. Cause like you said, he's, he is a good buck. And I've come to realize that um, a lot of people have congratulated me and said, man, he's great. He's a big buck. And, and I think, I think maybe we've just been spoiled. I've been spoiled um, to hunt some really big deer. You know, I've been on yeah. some other bucks that have been big in the past. And I, I think I just took for granted that that's rare. That's, that's not always going to be for the case. Average, average Joe's that's not hunting highly managed properties. Yeah. It's not an every, you're not going to kill a giant every year. Exactly. And I, I yeah. would rather get that experience on my belt. Cause I'm still learning how to, um, be cool in the moment, even though it was with a gun and not a bow. And there's a lot more to the bow management, I think, but I, I still, it was still a lot of working parts. I had to get the camera rolling, get the gun up, make sure everything's good and check, check, yeah. you know, get them to stop. And so I yeah. think getting that experience under my belt was, was definitely worth it. And I, I was really awesome. pumped. I did put the tape to him last night just for the fun of it. I knew he wasn't oh, going to, wow. are you yeah. kidding me? What's your guess? Nice. You got a guess? Do you want to share or I'm okay. I'm okay. Sharing. Okay. Okay. Do you have a guess? uh 92 inches oh you're very 88 88 okay. okay 88 and i think i am terrible at getting the tape on there appropriately but i you know that's a that's a rough so we won't, eight, we, won't we'll, we won't hold you to it if it's i like 92 i really like 92 better we'll say 92 uh okay all right if you push it on social media you gotta say 110 though oh that's true he's definitely 110 and i held him out way in front of me so you know yeah. nice yeah. all right well okay so this is a shedding light stories podcast and yeah that was a really amazing story um, throughout the perseverance throughout your season and throughout uh, the success you had last week. Um, in our Christian life, what does it mean to persevere uh, through the troubles and the trials, such as your season may have been for some of the time, or I guess just the endurance that we need to actually get the final reward? What, what does that look like uh, as our Christians, as a Christian? What do you, what do you think? That's a good question. Um, I, I think, I mean, anything in life, anything in life just teaches us that if you have adversity and you have a challenge, then the reward and the payoff is, is greater. You know, it, it just is. I mean, you go through, yeah. if things are easy, it just isn't, it's fun. It's good. I mean, you shoot a giant buck on the opening day. That's great, but it's not the same. I mean, I, I think yeah. the, the feeling is incredible. So I think about you know, whenever we face trials and, and challenges, without a doubt, um, I think about the people in the Bible. So we think about yeah. these, these people and we sometimes make them like superheroes, but they were real life people like you and I. Yeah. And every, I think, I cannot think of a, like a, a person in the Bible that rose to like fame and is a well-known person. You think of like David, you think of like Abraham, Moses, Joseph, any of those guys, Samson, they didn't, they didn't rise to yeah. where they were without facing like tremendous adversity absolutely and, absolutely and every single one of them struggled like that's the thing that like, we think oh, born, it was easy none of them, them were born with a silver spoon in their mouth yeah exactly and, and they all had to go through like a ton of junk and a ton of like trials and, and then even then sometimes like the end of the, some of those guys lives was not like great but yeah. but the reward that they got you know they're mentioned like um 
in like the hall of fame in the Bible, like yeah. Hebrews talks about all these guys that were great men of faith. And, and I yeah. think if you would ask them in the moment, like, are you a great man of faith? They would say, Oh no, I struggle like crazy. Like this is really hard. Yeah. And so I think that's what it teaches me. I think um, whenever I think about like things that we go through and challenges um, and people on the podcast know some of mine and um, you know, you and I faced a lot of adversity in uh, Colorado and, yeah. and, and hunting is yeah. one thing other, you know, you have other things in life that are probably more serious, but yeah, I think the, Sometimes we face that challenge. And I think some people think that when you become a Christian, like everything's going to be like easier and that life's going to be great and grand and you're going to be just this happy little monk. Um, <laughs> no problems. And right. That's not that's not real life. But look, but look, look at us as humans, how much we crave a heroic story. Um, yeah. And, you know, because look at Hollywood. Um, every Hollywood movie is based off the struggle and then the triumph at the end. And it's almost like we absolutely crave it as humans. And if you look, look at the whole, if you look at the whole plan of the Bible, the whole gospel salvation story, it's the, it's the same thing. You have the creation, you have the fall of man, which is the struggle. And then you have the restoration through Christ. And then you have the renewal of the triumph of victory of heaven someday. And, and, and as humans, we absolutely crave that story. It seems like, would, would you agree? Oh yeah. I, I think most Hollywood stories are built around the struggle, the hero, or like a lot of them are love stories. We all want that love in our yeah. lives. So I think every Hollywood story is a ripoff of <laughs> what's, being, what's being told in the Bible. Yeah. That, that yeah. there is, I don't know. There's just yeah. this longing. I, I think about this, like I knew, I fully knew shooting yeah. this buck was going to be a feeling of satisfaction, but not a feeling of completion, like not a yes. feeling of, I knew, I think we talked about this on your, your buck. Like, yeah. I'm excited that I shot him and I'm yeah. pumped, but I know full well that it, it's, I don't even know what I'm going to do with the antlers of this buck. I don't know if it's going to go up on the wall or not. You know, I know yeah. it's, I'm not getting it mounted, but I, I don't know. You know, it's just like, I knew full well that I, and I had yes. to remind myself of that yeah. throughout the season. Like, this is not, this is not what brings you joy in life. This is not what's going yeah. to meet, make yeah. anything. Your family is, is of most yeah. importance and your faith. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I, I tried not to use hunting as a way to say, well, I'm going to spend time with the Lord in the woods. Well, yeah. if you, <laughs> you, you spent time, if you're, if you killed a 220 inch buck, you're still going to have an empty feeling void that only your relationship with your family and Christ can fill. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, and I, I thought about this the other day, I went to a gun auction. Uh, you and I, we always talk about that, you know, whenever you die, you know, your yeah. what happens to you matters, but your, your antlers on your wall are probably going to go to uh, uh, cracker, cracker barrel. barrel. Right. Well, <laughs> I tell you what, you're lucky if they go to cracker barrel, I went to a gun auction yeah. and they had mounts all the way around there and they sold off about 50 mounts. Some of these yeah. were giant mule deer, giant whitetails, giant like bison and everything yeah. else. And they were, they were selling for like a hundred to two hundred dollars. This guy had put his wow. life, his life work into hunting and killing all of these animals, and they got sold off, like for a fraction of what you and I would pay to go to go get they a sold, mount. They sold the whole mountain antlers for less than you can buy a form for. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was insane. I was just sitting there. It just went to show. I was like, you know, this is kind of you could shoot. You could go to Africa and shoot the biggest animal there, but when it's all said and done, they're going to sell it at an auction. And and so yeah. the question is, you know what matters most. I think this season pushed on me more than any other season to really, yeah. like, I want to do things differently next season for sure. Okay. Cool, man. Great story, Trav. Great Thanks, story, buddy. buddy. Well, thank you for uh, being the host. I, I yeah. appreciate that. Leading the, the leading man, the I'm just, uh, 
just just getting going i didn't know if you want to talk for a couple more hours or not yeah, well, we could, we could. <laughs> uh, i mean i don't know what's going to happen here in about a month i probably won't be able to get a hold of you if i do I there'll know, be some crying baby, in the uh, background february, february 12th a little baby girl she's going to come live with us she, well she's living with us right now but yeah she spends she spends a lot of time in my wife's belly right now but yeah yeah most of the most of the time there <laughs> but i'll get to hold her here soon so. oh man i'm so pumped for you what do you think it's gonna yeah. be dad what what's that I'm going to, I'm going to flip and rolls. I'm the host now. So what is, what do you think that's going to do to your hunting next year? Um, I, I don't think that I'm not the kind of guy hunts a ton anyway. I, um, I like to ration my hunting out. You know, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I probably, um, the way I look at it is my, my wife has hobbies. She likes yoga. She likes exercise. Uh, she likes walking the dogs, hiking. I like hunting and I like archery competitions. So I think we're, we've always pulled a hundred percent each one of us. And yeah. I think that if she wants to go hiking with the dogs, frankly, we'll probably take the baby and just go, but yeah. um, I'll, I'll watch the baby, you know, a few nights a week, let her do her own thing, saturate in what she likes. And I think she'll return the favor a few nights a week. And yeah, um, that's cool. not, not everything is probably not going to happen exactly on the time frame that it would uh, if you don't have a kid, but I think that I'll still be able to, that I'll definitely be able to still pursue my hunting and archery. I think. I so. think you're right. I really do. I think the way that yeah. you guys balance your family is is really good. I, I was grateful for my wife. She didn't have a lot of hobbies, but she got into exercise uh, this during COVID, yeah. and she, like three times a week she's going. So it made me feel a little bit better that hey, she's got something that she really enjoys doing now. And yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, so that's all good. Well, I'm excited for you, buddy. Thank you so much for, uh, being the, yeah. the host today. I mean, people will want you back. I'm, I'm going to get you kicked need off to, the show. You need to kill another buck so we can do this again. I tell you what, uh, this Maybe year, next year, no, this year, this year, the end this... of this year, Oh yeah, <laughs> it's right. 2021, man. You're right. It's I coming, can kill man. two bucks in one year. You know, I don't think I've done that hey, before. So you know what? Yeah. So we're going to be, uh, we're going to be listening to the turkeys gobble in the sunrises before too long. Oh boy. Oh, now you're my speaking my language. I'm excited. <laughs> all right all right well we probably bored these people to tears but uh yeah i think i think we uh, probably let them go for now what do you think i think so man uh really appreciate trav well you're the host yeah. you you know how to end the podcast all right. right um well all right guys we thanks for tuning in this week and listening to the travis williams story uh, always remember guys to shed the light until next time <laughs>